Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to the Unplayable Podcast. Australia are on the verge of going 2-0 up in the ashes after another good day in Adelaide. The Aussies started the day 282 runs in front, and although they lost early wickets... Minus Labuschagne and Travis had both registered half-centuries to push their advantage beyond 400. Steve Smith declared not long before tea, leaving England a daunting 468 runs to win. The visitors ended the day on 4 for 82, with Mitchell Stark picking up the wicket of Joe Root on what proved to be the final ball of the day. Earlier today, Lewis Cameron spoke to Ricky Ponting for his Ashes analysis, proudly brought to you by HCL, the official digital technology partner of Cricket Australia. Ricky, uh, thanks very much for joining us uh, virtually this time. Uh, you're still in Adelaide. I'm back in Melbourne. Um, sum up the action for us, mate. Can you see this game heading anywhere other than an Australian victory? No, absolutely not, mate. It's um, you know, it's there for Australia to win now. I mean, there's all sorts of things happening out in the middle now with Nathan Lyon. He's turning the ball square. He's getting exceptional bounce. Um, so far, the two... English left-handers in, in Burns and Milan have been able to keep him out, but um, I think it's only a matter of time. If, you get, if he gets one, I, I can see him getting on a real roll, and, and even for the right-handers with the turn and bounce he's getting, I think he's probably going to be harder for them with the ball turn, turning in than he is with the left-handers turning away. So, um, Joe Richardson bowled well, the new ball, got got, uh, got Hamid with a really good ball that did some um, variation or variable bounce, and I think what we saw um, this morning as well... I, I think with the, the roller on that surface, I think the wicket tends to do more first thing in the morning than it does through the course of the day. So even if England do get through reasonably unscathed tonight, I think tomorrow's session is going to be a real handful for them. Did you feel like England stuck at it okay with the ball? They did. I, I thought they did up until about four overs to go in, in the first session. I thought they did a really good job. I mean, they obviously talked about how they wanted to bowl. They adjusted their lengths. They got a little bit fuller uh, in the morning session and got the rewards and, and actually made it really hard for the Aussies to score. But just going into the lunch break, four or five overs leading into the lunch break, and Australia made about 40 or 45 runs up off those overs and sort of got themselves exactly where they wanted to be going into the lunch break. So they fought hard, but then let it slip the last little bit. What did you make of Ollie Robinson bowling off spin, mate? Well, they weren't too bad, to be yeah. honest. They actually came out all right. He's a, I think, as I was saying, I reckon he's probably done that a fair bit in counter cricket over the years when probably started on a green wicket and then the end of a county game when it's, a fair bit drier. It looked like he's bowled a bit of off spin in his career. So, no, they were right. Obviously, that was the result of Joe Root being off the field for the first hour of the, the day's play after he caught one in the... Well, they said abdomen, but we're hearing he might have caught one in the groin and wasn't wearing a protector in the nets. So, I'm pretty sure that's the last time Joe Root will do that. He wasn't wearing a protector in the nets. Jesus. Apparently, he got out the nets for just for some simple throwdowns. Um, and, yeah, and then got hit where he got hit and had to go off to hospital for scans. So... Um, as I said, silly boy, he won't be doing that again. Uh, have you ever done that? Have you ever uh, not batted in the nets with a protector? No, yeah, by mistake. Sort of faced a couple of balls and then went down to readjust things and realised that it wasn't there. But I, I stopped the net 
there and then and made sure that I went and got one pretty quickly. Right. Yes, um, that's sensible. Um, I wanted to ask you about Marcus Harris, who was out for the fifth time in as many tests to Stuart Broad. Edge, that's a good catch this time by Butler. That's top shelf. This is what England needs. They've got a couple early. Harris goes. And the tourists have got their time. What are you up. seeing from him technically at the moment, Ricky? To be honest, I, I thought he actually looked um, as good as he's looked in a long time in this innings. Yes, he played and missed a few um, late last night when the ball was zipping around a little bit. But, um, yeah, today, I, I said on air early on today, I just thought he had a really good opportunity to, you know, to lock himself in and bat for those two or three hours that his, the Australians were going to bat for and, um, you know, make a good score to, to, to make the noise go away. Unfortunately, you know, he got to 20 and, Nicked one from Broad again from that round the wicket angle that a lot of the Australian left-handers seem to struggle with. So unfortunately for Marcus, you know that the the noise is not going to go away now. There's going to be more pressure if he gets picked for the next test. There's going to be more pressure going into Boxing Day. And um, but I, I think they'll stick. I think they'll stick with him. I, I think I think you know the three outs in this series so far would probably be um, too much to to leave him out of the test team. Going back to the run out uh, the previous night happened after we spoke. Uh, on day three, was he at fault with the run out with David Warner? Can can you kind of explain what happened to us there? Yeah, well, I haven't, well, I haven't spoken to either of the, the guys, but it's, it's, I was on commentary at the time and, and trying to pick up what happened through stump mics. It, it did sound like Davey called yes. Um, Davey, uh, you know, on, maybe on Harrison's reaction, Harris hit it and then took off. And then Davey, so I think called yes, took four or five steps and realised he probably couldn't make it, then put the handbrake out on, but by then it was too late and Harris had already passed him and unfortunately Davey was the one that was run out. But that, that was the way, that was my take on it. it. It looked to me like he was the guilty one and if you have made the mistake, I think in those run outs, it's only fair that you are the batsman that's out. It would have been a worse result if Harris had nothing to do with that and then was actually the one that was run out. So it seemed like the fair result to me. And absolutely no question that he plays Boxing Day, especially if Australia, as it looks like they, you know, they they might be able to do, um, especially if they win this game. You know, Harris Harris plays there. No questions for you. Oh look, I, I think there's there'll be questions. Yeah, mm. I, I think, and I think the questions are probably fair enough. But I I just yeah to pick a guy for only two tests, and as I said, he's, he's only been out three times. Remember, he was not out in the second innings in Brisbane. Um, I mean, his record is a worry. His record against England's a worry, and his record against Stuart Broad's a worry. So all those things taken into account, that's why those questions will be there. But I've I've just got a bit of a gut feeling that they will stick with him. He has played a few tests now. Is it almost make or break if he does play at the MCG? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, quite a few test innings now. That average of his just keeps going down. Yeah, but it, yeah, and that that puts puts extra pressure on himself. He's the one that knows that. He understands that he hasn't making the most of his opportunities just yet so regardless of who you are or how tough you are mentally you've always got those little demons sitting in the back of your mind just a final one him you've said in the past or you said in the lead into this series that he potentially might have been looked at for that vacant or you know semi-vacant number five spot leading into this series is that an option for him in the future if, if opening doesn't work out um, I think if he's if he's been tried as much as he has as an opening batsman, I, you know I think if he goes back to Shield cricket, um, he's going to have to dominate Shield cricket. If he if he gets dropped, I'm saying he'd have to go back to Shield cricket and dominate to be even considered again anytime soon. You know, with Madison scoring runs and um, obviously Kawaj is there waiting in the wings as well. Someone like Matt Renshaw, I think, has got a chance to come back into the Australian team at some at some stage. So um, yeah, let let's hope he let's hope he. He does get picked for Melbourne. Let's hope he makes some runs down there and then, you know, all this noise, as I said, will eventually go away. 
Very good. Uh, I want to ask you about Mitchell Stark. Um, he's obviously bowling through a, a bit of pain um, after, you know, kind of slipping something in his back earlier on. I guess just how impressed have you been with with how he's led the attack um, and, and also how he's bowled um, on this day so far? Yeah, I, I think, I don't, I'm not sure I've seen him bowl better. I think I said to you last night the same thing, especially mm. with the old ball. The new ball hasn't done anywhere near as much as we probably expected for, for Stark in this game. But um, when it hasn't, he's, he's, his backup line and lengths have been great. He's actually probably bowled better with the older ball than he has with the new ball, which is something you don't really associate with Mitchell Stark. Um, got Milan, obviously, in the first, and he's got Joss Butler after a great setup, you know, 15 balls, I think, to Butler without a run. Eventually, Nick won to slip. Um, today, he looked, he looked dangerous uh, with the brand-new ball, didn't get a wicket, came on for another spell from the other end and bowled nicely. So, his rhythm looks good. I don't... The back thing didn't look to, to hinder him too much. He, he probably bowled quicker, actually, yeah. um, at the start of this second innings that he did in the first innings. So, I, yeah, a little bit of discomfort with his back, back when he was batting, but it seemed okay since he's been out in the field. It was interesting hearing something he said in the press conference last night about he thinking the, the pink ball is almost more like the white ball. We know he's had a lot of success in white ball cricket, but, but I think you said before the series they had to, they should only be picking him if he's swinging it. And obviously we know the white ball doesn't swing as much. How does that all work that he ends up being a, being such a good pink ball bowler and that uh, with all that in mind? Oh, look, I think, I think if you looked at, at pink ball um, movement compared to red ball movement in test matches in Australia over the last what is it, six or seven years now, or mm. five or six years now, I think you'd find that the pink ball has actually moved more than the red ball. I, I'd, I'd be very surprised if that wasn't um, wasn't the truth. So I think, I mean, any bit of movement that Stark can get makes him so much more dangerous. You know, that and his ability to be able to strike in his first, you know, 10 balls in international cricket is, is incredible. So, um, yeah, and, I, and, and to be fair, I think the white ball generally, and that's pretty much a rule of, or a given, the white ball swung more than the red ball as well in Australia for the last probably 15 or 20 years. So I think there's a definite correlation there between how much the white ball and the pink ball swing compared to the red one. There has been some talk, or there was some talk before the series about the need potentially to rotate fast bowlers. Obviously, two fast bowlers are probably going to come back in for the MCG. Stark is the only one to have played in both these tests so far. Any chance of a rest for him? No, I wouldn't have have thought so, no. Um, And... You know, they haven't had to bowl a great deal just yet. It's not like his workload's been through the roof and it probably won't be even in the second innings here. You, you expect Nathan's going to bowl almost all the overs from one end in the second innings of this game and then they'll be able to rotate the four kicks through the other end. So you wouldn't think that Stark's um, workload will be up too high. They'll get a four or five day break, obviously, after this game as well, leading into Boxing Day. He wouldn't do much bowling going in there. So I'd be surprised if they do look to rotate, especially because he is bowling as well as he is. If, if he had a couple of poor games in a row, then they might think about it. But the fact that he's bowling nicely, I think they'll keep him in the team. Could he play all five tests? I mean, it's probably not something anyone would have predicted before the series, given, you know, he only played one in, in 2019, right? Um, look, he probably could. He, mm. You don't see many fitter athletes than Mitchell Stark, do you? I mean, he's, he's always been very durable. He's, he's lean. Um, he's very fit. As I said, the work the workloads for the first couple of tests might be through the roof. So there's, there's every possibility they could, they could get him through. It might actually depend on where the series is at as well. Like if the series is done, then there's probably more of a reason to give him a break. But if there's, if, if the series is not over after Melbourne, then I'm, I'm, they, they could potentially keep him going. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Ricky. Mm-hmm. 
This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.